Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com, the daily radio host of Southern Fried Sports at 100.9 FM in Tuscaloosa. The Talking Tide Twitter feed, of course, Talking underscore Tide. And you can get our podcast on our web host at Podbean.com, also available on Various apps, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Want to thank Heat Pizza Bar, North River Dental Associates, and Southern Ale House, our fine sponsors. More on them a little later in the show. But we start off previewing Alabama and Mississippi State. The Crimson Tide comes into the game 5-0. and MSU enters the game on a three-game losing streak at 1-3. and It's going to be a 6 p.m. Central Time kickoff on ESPN. And Travis, as we preview these Bulldogs, it, it appears that uh, the, 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 the purge, the, the Mike Leach purge has begun midseason, uh, losing eight players. If you count Kylan Hill, who was apparently uh, AWOL and uh, headed to uh, prepare for the NFL draft, along with Tyrell Shavers, some other guys that are looking to get out of there, guys entering the transfer, or excuse me, uh, entering the NCAA transfer portal. Now, this is the kind of housekeeping as a as a new coach you expect, Travis. But it's the sort of thing that I think as a coach you hope to take care of it either before your first season gets started, or you want to you want the boat to hold enough water that you can wait and maybe do some of it in, in December and January. Maybe do some house cleaning then February. Uh, but when it happens in October, it, it can be rough. Yeah, there's two ways to go about it, and it looked like State was going to be more along the lines of competitive in year one because there were some additions made via grad transfer. A couple of guys from Alabama, Terrell Shavers from the wide receiver position, Scott Lashley, an offensive tackle. They made their way from Tuscaloosa to Starkville, and then we hear here in the last 24 hours that Terrell Shavers now is on the move once again as one of those aforementioned eight that are looking to part ways with the air raid and Mike Leach. So Kylan Hill, though, you know, you kind of expected at the midway point of the season that there's still to be at least communication between Kylan Hill and Mike Leach. And we heard from Mike Leach on Wednesday. uh, When you hear Mike Leach say, I don't know, I haven't talked to him in a while. That's probably not the best of signs as you head yeah. to the midway point of the season. Yeah. You know? he's, he's, he said, I heard he's opting out. The reporter's <laughs> like, yeah, that's what we heard too. You know? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. And it's just such a long way away from just a month ago. I mean, we're talking about a month to the day almost, Chase, when this Mississippi State team, or what was then Mississippi State's team, Went into Baton Rouge in the season opener and knocked off the defending national champions in game one of the Mike Leach era. And from that point forward, though, it has totally come apart with an emphasis on the offensive side of the ball. I think that's where the biggest surprise is, because you did go grad transfer at some uh, key spots, including quarterback. Uh, You did bring back Kylan Hill, although I'll say this about Kylan Hill. I've said it before. I've never been a huge Kylan Hill guy. Mostly because, in my viewpoint, this is a guy who makes a lot of business decisions when it comes to finishing runs, things like that. He does. He's never really struck me as a foxhole guy. I'm just talking about from a football perspective. I understand socially and off the field the impact that he had. 
uh, with the flag situation in Mississippi and all that. That that's all. I, I'm, I'm separating. I'm talking about just from a football perspective. Watching Kylan Hill over the last few years put up some big numbers. No disputing that. But a guy that when I try to think of him at say like Alabama, and again the way in which he finishes plays, that wouldn't fly so good on Monday film with Nick Saban a lot of times. No, and not to spend too much time on a guy who's not even going to play against Alabama, but I'll say this, from what I've heard from a couple NFL scouts that I've talked to, Kylan Hill doesn't need to opt out and get ready for the 2021 draft. What Kylan Hill needs to do if he's opting out and he's done at Mississippi State is tell the NCAA, I'm taking my freebie year for eligibility and go back to school somewhere next year and put together a different kind of polish on your last year of college ball than what you've got right now. You get the sense, though, Chase. You tell me. It just felt like he was already halfway out the door. Like it was almost as if he reluctantly came back. Yes, the the flag situation was a part of all that in the preseason, but you just never got the sense regardless that this guy was totally all in on another year of college football. And it goes back to – what we don't know, right? We don't know what people around him are telling him about going to the NFL or turning professional uh, and how much of an influence that can have. I agree, though. I don't think this is a guy right now that I look at and go, especially with the value of his position, Chase, you know, that uh, this guy is even a third-round pick or a fourth-round pick after he, the way these, this, this wrapped up at, at Mississippi State. He's not fast enough. He's yeah. not fast enough. That, that, well, that, and that's, that's and going to be a big knock. And that's supposed to be one of the attributes of his game, that he's dynamic, that he's uh, a playmaker, you know. And uh, and I'll say it again, he, he's definitely not a strong finisher on plays that I've seen. Mississippi State uh, coming in, as we said, kind of reeling against the Crimson Tide, the quarterback situation for the Bulldogs, too, Travis. Kind of up in the air, K.J. Costello, Will Rogers, what's going to happen there? Nick, uh, uh, Mike Leach, I think, at least last I heard, was kind of noncommittal about who is going to uh, play that quarterback position. And as you mentioned on the Sunday nighter, uh, this Alabama pass rush, which could which could use a good week, they're going up against a Mississippi State offensive line that's had all kinds of problems protecting the quarterback. They have, and they've even had problems. It seems like it's the year of the errant shotgun snap in the Southeastern Conference because we've seen it with Ole Miss. We've seen it with Georgia. Mississippi State had an issue to the extent where they had to make an outright change at center just to get a better snapper uh, at the position. So they've had to kind of compromise in some other areas of interior offensive line play. Um you know, there, there's there's a situation at offensive tackle where in the future I think they're going to be much improved. Uh, they've got some youth there that that really has some 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 high upside, I think. But yeah, watching Texas A&M and Mississippi State back on, I guess it was Tuesday night. Um, it, it wasn't pretty because A&M has pretty much subscribed to the philosophy of Arkansas and Kentucky before him dropped eight a lot, you know, dropped eight, played zone, broke on the football, made tackles. State doesn't really have a dynamic kind of after the catch guy, especially with Kyle on Hill out now. So, you know, even a guy like a Chad Bumpus in years past, C-Bump, he would have been a nice sort of option in an offense like this. 
Uh, Mississippi State doesn't have that. And then as the game wore on, you start seeing A&M get home with three guys yeah. when they're dropping eight. You know, it wasn't like A&M rolled up the sacks it did by bringing five or six guys. They were largely dropping eight, rushing three, maybe four. And as that game wore on, uh, more and more they were able to, to, to get to the quarterback. And part of that with, with K.J. Costello that I've seen anyway, the zone is very effective because if you get him off his first guy, he, he doesn't have the ability to just shift to the check down automatically. And so then he holds the football, and then he's a big guy. He's a redwood back there. So there's no concern for him hurting you with his legs. And if he do, does decide to try to move out of the pocket, even if your inside linebackers take healthy drops in zone, they still are more than capable of keeping his sort of uh, gains to a, a minimum there on the ground. Yeah, two. Not he. He is a redwood. There's no doubt about it. And two aspects of that for him. Like, number one, I've, it's from what I've seen this year of him. When he does bail the pocket, he bails it a half a second late. He feel he feels that heat a little too late, and mm-hmm. so he's one of those guys who thinks he's got that mindset that oh, I can outrun at least one of these linemen, right? I can I can outrun this defensive end at least and and pick up. A, no, you can't. In the Pac-12, uh, maybe you could, but not right. around here, no. So, uh, yeah, Costello may not even be the guy on Saturday. I, I'll see. tell you this. I'll tell you this, just watching that A&M game as it progressed and degressed offensively. I don't know how Leach runs Costello out there Saturday night to start that game. Um, I mean, it had all the looks of – and he played poorly, don't get me wrong, but you didn't see anybody – selling out for Costello from the Mississippi State perspective. I don't know if that had to do more with some of the other internal stuff that they've had going on, maybe with Kylan Hill. Who knows? But you talk about uninspired in every aspect of of offensive football. That was State. So, look, I know Will Rogers is a true freshman. I know you'd rather maybe put him into some situations that are a little more favorable. But if anything, in that A&M game, once he came in, you saw maybe the juice and effort pick up with him in there, and he played pretty good against A&M. So uh, I guess it could be Costello Saturday night, but I, at a minimum, if it is, we're going to see both those guys. Mike Leach also, when, when asked about all these guys leaving, he said, well, don't be too shocked. There might be more coming. <laughs> <laughs> you, you almost get the sense that if this season is going down, yeah. he, he, he's going to make sure there's a whole lot more reasons for it than, then uh, who's calling the plays, right? Tip, tip O, the iceberg, yeah. according to Mike. Yeah, and look, you know, he's already, you can tell, he's he's downshifting to recruiting too. You know, he's he's going to get spots opened up as many as he possibly can to get the guys that he really wants in there. And so, you know, there there's there's some bookkeeping that's going on too when trying to project ahead. We'll flip it over to Alabama now for a few minutes. Talk about that UA offense. Five games into a 10-game season, shortened season due to COVID, Travis. So we're at the midway point already uh, here in late October. Uh, offensively, Alabama couldn't be cruising any easier at this point. Mac Jones <laughs> completing darn near 80% of his passes for the year. 12 touchdowns, only two picks. Um, running back Najee Harris has been outstanding. He's averaging... Uh, I believe over 100 yards a game, like 110 or so. 
so a big year uh, for him. Uh, obviously, the Jalen Waddle injury, it's going to be interesting to see how Alabama kind of responds to that. Uh, it's going to be a big game for, for Slade Bolden against Mississippi State. We saw a, a good bit of him, obviously. Saw him for the whole game, really, against Tennessee cause, because Waddle went out uh, right off the jump. Uh, but now he's got a game week to, to prepare knowing that he's going to be in there all the time. Should make a difference for him. It should, you know, but it, it certainly helps as we talked about on the Sunday nighter that, you know, this is a guy that spent extensive time with Mac Jones over the last couple of years. So there is already a strong bond. I think as much as anything, you're trying to see how quickly you can get maybe some of these newcomers up to speed with Mac and the rest of the offense, guys like Javon Baker and Trayshawn Holden, maybe Ty, Ty Jones Bell. So, you know, once you get beyond that type type top three on Saturday night, where does it go from there? Perhaps again, more two tight end sets. It sounds like Carl Tucker this week is trying to ramp back up from that hamstring injury that's kept him out of the last couple of games. So your numbers could be even better there. Uh, if Tucker's able to go this week. So, uh, it's really amazing, though, man, when you talk about this offense in general and understanding that, you know, this is conference-only play in 2020, and you see Alabama sitting there averaging 566 yards per game in five league games, and you think back to, say, last year's offense and, you know, how productive it was. Well, in conference play last year, eight conference games, Alabama averaged 499 yards per game. This offense through five is 67 yards per game ahead, ahead of what was, you know, really uh, one of the historic offenses. Now, the 2018 offense, when you had two of pretty much healthy for that entire campaign, they averaged in nine SEC games, including the SEC championship game, 508. But even with that in consideration, what this offense is doing right now against SEC-only opposition is unlike anything we've ever seen. And who left on this schedule is even going to slow the train down? Yeah. I mean, look, sometimes sometimes you hit the midway point of the season, Travis, and, and you know, the offense is lighting it up left and right, and, and you always point ahead and say, well, hadn't seen LSU yet, hadn't seen Auburn yet, hadn't seen maybe the toughest defenses that – that the Crimson Tide is going to see yet because most of they play those defenses uh, usually in a normal year anyway, with a normal schedule uh, late in the season, November, Mississippi state sometimes has got a top 20 defense. Miss, by the way, Mississippi state's defense, I think they're ranked 24th or actually they're ranked 15th in the country in total yards allowed. Uh, so kind of, kind of a shocker there. Uh, we gon' uh, we gonna find out this week, though. <laughs> right. I don't see they, it. The they, point being, wise man once told me, "Good bread, you don't know how you look until you get your picture took." Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, they're gonna take a picture Saturday night against well, this Alabama offense. But you're right. I mean, it is. It is. Regardless, I think it's far better than anyone associated with State's program anticipated, given the personnel options that. Uh, Zach Arnett, the new defensive coordinator, was going to have to work with in his 3-3-5 scheme. Alabama defense, we'll look at that right now. Uh, quickly, Travis, your thoughts on, I guess, LeBron Ray is kind of in the news. Nick Saban noting that that he's not sure when he'll be back. So, uh, kind of hadn't been the kind of year he needed personally, for sure, or what the team needed out of him up front on the defensive line. Nick Saban asked earlier this week as well, 
about the issues in pass rush. And, uh, of course, Travis, as we've talked about, I think, just on the last pod, uh, his answer began with, well, you guys. <laughs> of course, just judge it by sex. Hashtag. Hashtag, you guys. Yeah. Uh, but he went to the seven-man protection defense. Hey, we're, yeah. We saw a lot of seven-man protection against Tennessee. You're not going to get through with four guys on that. The flip side of that, though, Travis, is okay. If, if you're saying it's about seven-man protections, then that means you got seven covering three. Yeah. Well, uh, here, here's my here's my thing on the whole. My thing isn't even on sacks, really, okay? It's on – and look. Alabama did a good job defensively on third down in the game against Tennessee, four of 16 on third down for Tennessee. But you know it's fingernails on a chalkboard to Pete Golding and Sal Sunseri and Freddie Roach. When it's third and eight or third and long and fourth and long three different times, and it's not that you didn't get Jared Guarantano or Brian Maurer behind the line of scrimmage for sacks. It's that they ran for first downs. Yeah. Just drop them two yards short of the of the first down sticks. That that that's all I'm talking about. Somebody make a damn tackle. You know? You think if Reuben Foster is playing in the middle of that defense, a guy like Guarantano's just gonna jog nine yards for a first down on third and eight? No. That's more what I'm talking about. But yeah, I mean I said it on my show earlier this week. I think this pass rush realistically in terms of being more along the line, seven man protection, whatever, because when Alabama has been really good in his pass rush, it ain't mattered. You know, when it had Ryan Anderson, Tim Williams, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, guys like that, it, it, whatever you wanted to protect with, they were going to impact the quarterback. But I do think when you consider the pieces involved here, uh, guy and will anderson he's 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 a he's a good pass rusher right now he's going to be way better next year you're you're probably redshirting some guys even by the traditional uh aspect of it and chris braswell uh q robinson drew sanders going to be a better edge rusher next year um defensive lineman that you're going to have back a boy b uh you know these guys byron young they're going to be better and I, i i still think Maybe by the end of the year, we'll see more of it by the end of the season. But I think we're still more than likely uh, 2021 away from, from seeing more along the lines of what you've, you've grown accustomed to. What do you yeah, think? It, I, well, and I don't think there's going to be a ton of heat on Mississippi State this week either. I think what you're going to see. Nick going to play you, zone, though, Chase. Nick doesn't like that zone real no, good. He, does. you know? he doesn't no, he like does. dropping eight. You know? he, he can't stand it. But, but I'll say this. You know, Mississippi State, uh, they're not going to run any seven-man protections because Mike Leach likes to flood the secondary with as many route runners as he can. They count well, on splits. They like they, the wide splits, yep. and they, they like their OL to go ahead and get depth in their stances pre-snap so they can go ahead and get in that depth in their pass sets to kind of get an idea of what's coming and where it's coming from. And right, the, the wider splits they count on to, to create distance, really, between the quarterback and the pass rushers, I guess. And the ball comes out quick, at least yeah. when that offense Supposed is clicking. To. Ball yeah. comes out too quickly for even a good pass rush to get to the quarterback. The trouble with the trouble is, and you, you mentioned, they really don't have the weapon to go over the top with. Uh, 
the issue with that is if you're getting the ball out that quick over and over and over again, you're going to have DBs jumping routes, jumping the yeah. short stuff. So yeah, uh, until th- until you can legitimately threaten the deep part of the football field, you know, you're going to have. You, and what happens too is your receivers t- get tired of catching those four yard crossing routes and those get hitches hammered. and getting punished, yeah. you know? And so they get tired of that pretty good too. You know, that'll wear out some receivers as well. Talk and Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. Chase Goodbread and Travis Ryer with you. We want to thank North River Dental Associates for making the program possible. Former Alabama football player Jack Smalley does an outstanding job with his excellent staff of dental hygienists over at North River Dental. You know where it is. If you're on McFarland, headed toward Northport, away from campus, you dip that right turn onto Watermelon Road, and he's right there behind the Jimmy John's restaurant in Fairfax Park. Uh, It's right beside West Alabama Pediatrics. Really easy to find. Never a problem parking. Never a problem to get in and out of that really quickly over at North River Dental Associates. And any kind of dental need you might have, they can take care of it. On a routine cleaning, you're up and gone in less than an hour, but they can do all kinds of other work for you, including cosmetic dentistry, pediatric dentistry for your kids, laser dentistry. They've got the teeth whitening services that a lot of people like now, endodontics, uh, dentures, you name it. They do it all over at North River Dental Associates. If you want to make an appointment, you can go online for that. Uh, the web address, northriverdentist.com, or you can give them a call at 752 752- Three five zero six. You've only got one set of adult teeth. Make sure you take care of them. Make sure you get them cleaned twice a year like you're supposed to, and make sure you get it done over at North River Dental. I'm going to tell you about Southern Ale House out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. So many great options, whether you're in the market for an outstanding lunch, they're going to take care of you there. With the specials you're going to find on a daily basis, great burgers, man, great chicken sandwiches, whether you want that grilled, whether you want that fried. Same thing for the salads, too, that chopped wedge, the work-free wedge, I call it, because it comes ready to eat. You know, it's not this big Titanic-sized wedge of uh, iceberg lettuce that now you've got to try to make happen. There, no assembly required, okay, when it comes to the chopped wedge salad there. At Southern Ale House, uh, they're going to do a great pork chop for you there, too. That thing is about, oh, I don't know, inch and a half or so thick, bone in. They put the chutney on top there, give it a little extra something. That pork chop is out of this world. Steaks, you know, all for you at Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Also want to tell you about Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa. You're going to be in town this weekend in all likelihood for the Alabama-Mississippi State game. So either of these outstanding options are going to apply. But if you are downtown, be sure to check out Heat Pizza Bar. Great setup for game day. You've got the parking deck that's right there in central Tuscaloosa, downtown Tuscaloosa. So you can make good use of that parking area right there adjacent to Heat Pizza Bar. And then the pizza itself is out of this world. Also, a side salad. It's called the garden salad there at Heat Pizza Bar. But you're going to, when they bring it out to you, you're going to think you ordered like an entree salad, right? Because not only in terms of size, but everything that's on that outstanding garden salad there. 
They've got uh, they've got their exclusive pizzas. They've got the traditional favorites. If you just want a great cheese pizza, pepperoni pizza, they can take care of you. you want to get a little exotic with the pizza? I told you the Thai chicken pizza is out of this world. A sriracha sauce. Then you're going to have some green pepper, some onion, some chicken. Great, great stuff there. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We're going to jump around the Southeastern Conference upcoming schedule. Before we get out of here, Travis, looking at a couple of these games forthcoming, I guess we start with LSU playing at Auburn. That's a CBS 2.30 p.m. kickoff. And I guess one of the things notable about this game, Travis, is that Ed Orgeron is is, uh, trying to find something new at quarterback, I guess. T.J. Finley got the start against South Carolina last week, had a really nice game, 17 out of 21 for 265 and a couple of touchdowns. Looks like he's going to get the start. Big kid, 6'6", 240 pounds, uh, an in-state guy uh, for Ed Orgeron. And I guess for LSU fans, they're they're hoping that, you know, maybe they're looking at – quarterback of the future here yeah you know always been very adamant that if miles Brennan is healthy he'll be the guy but that's very much in question and you know after seeing finley do his thing against south carolina last saturday night i think o's definition of completely healthy is gonna have to be 100 percent, if not then some yeah. because i don't think there's much of an issue with going with Finley in this game. It Miles is a better not game. have a hangnail. Yeah, Miles needs to be really, really healthy. But it is on the road. Uh, fortunately for LSU, as we know, it, with capacity being what it is, it's not Jordan Hare at full throat. But you have to be impressed with what LSU did offensively last Saturday night. Eight of ten on third down with a backup quarterback in there. Really nice balance between the passing game and the rushing game. Ran for 276 against South Carolina passed for 265 you know what though I'm still going with Auburn in this game and I'll tell you why because as much as we talk about what LSU did offensively you know South Carolina averaged right around six yards per carry against LSU last Saturday night and we know what Auburn's going to attempt to do so I'm still going with Auburn at home, especially an Auburn team that's getting some points. A home dog, good bread, the Auburn Tigers this week. Who do you like there? I like LSU. I, I, I think Auburn's – I almost feel like Auburn's due for an L here with some, <laughs> some of the fortune that they've had uh, with the officiating and whatnot. Your LSU, you better be up come back 21. and them sooner or later, right? LSU better be up 21 with two to go, okay? That's right. So I'm going to take LSU, but I think that one could be close as well. I definitely agree with you that Bigsby for Auburn, the big running back, is going to have a big game against this LSU defense that looks nothing like any LSU defense we've seen in a long, long time. I don't don't know if I've seen an LSU defense this bad since – Denardo here or something. I mean, going way back, uh, it's been pretty rough. Arkansas at Texas A&M should be another competitive game. Travis, uh, your thoughts on uh, the upstart Razorbacks pulling into College Station? I'm tempted to take Arkansas because I think defensively, a lot of what Arkansas does well can be a real problem for Kendall Mon, Kellen Mon, excuse me, with all the zone coverage and changing up the looks and, you know, will Mon be patient enough against that type of stuff? But 
I think where A&M has some momentum right now is with Isaiah Spiller and running the football. And so, you know, I don't think A&M will have to be as dependent on Kellen Mond. You never know with Jimbo. He still loves his quarterback. So he may lean on Kellen Mond more than he even needs to. But, you know, seeing Spiller do what he's done the last couple of times out against Florida and then uh, Mississippi State before the bye week, uh, that tends to to make me think uh, A&M will, will get the job done and continue right there on the heels of Alabama and the SEC West. How about Missouri at Florida? That'll be the last one we uh, touch on. The Gators at home, ranked 10th. They've been off a couple weeks. Been a rough patch for the Gators in terms of uh, positive COVID cases. Uh, it might be it might be tough for Florida to get off the mat coming off all of that, Travis. Well, and then you got Georgia the next Saturday. You know, there's there's a lot of things that you're dealing with if you're Dan Mullen. Who, Trap game, right? Yeah, it's it's a COVID game, a trap game, and plus Missouri's playing good. You know, I was surprised to see them sort of handle Kentucky the way they did, and not so much just in terms of the scoreboard because it wasn't exactly a blowout, but I thought Missouri did to Kentucky physically and at the line of scrimmage what I thought Kentucky was going to do to Missouri. It was kind of the 180 game last weekend in the SEC. So here you go. You know, I talked about it earlier in the week. This Missouri win suddenly looks a lot better for Alabama after what uh, uh, Eli Drinkwitz's team's been able to do against LSU and and then Kentucky. So I'm going to still go with Florida, but uh, this one might be a a good bit closer than, than most people are anticipating. All right, rounding out the rest of the SEC schedule for the week, Georgia will be at Kentucky. Ole Miss will be at Vanderbilt. We've discussed all the other games. Before we get out of here, Travis, though, uh, one quick footnote that's outside the Southeastern Conference. We rarely go outside the SEC for discussion on this podcast, but we're going to do it really quickly. I meant to ask you about this on the Sunday Nighter, and it slipped my mind. Uh, but as the, the resident special teams and kicking expert on Talking Tide, I got to ask you about this Rice Middle Tennessee State field goal <laughs> was quadruple doinked. If I'm not mistaken, it hit an upright, then the crossbar, then the opposite upright, then the crossbar again, and fell no good. I'm, surely you've never seen anything even close I've to I've never that. seen a four-banger like that. That was unbelievable it looked like uh it looked like good bread shooting pool you know <laughs> late night in downtown tuscaloosa in the words of mike stroker ace cooley shit shots count just tell the man to uh, uh level the four pay yeah. the man who levels the four um it, it didn't go so well for rice on that one but um no i've never seen a four banger uh, that was they should have given him like i've never six seen points three i that. think i've seen two I saw, I think it was, remember Cody Parkey, the former Auburn kicker in a NFC playoff game? Maybe even, was it last year or the year before? He had a double doink, I think, that went against him, you know, to in a playoff game in the NFL. I thought that was pretty amazing. But the four-banger by Rice, that's, that, I've never seen that before, ever. I've never kicked a football in practice or otherwise um, that did that. So no, that was a that was a first for sure. The doinks, by the way, for all the doinks I've ever seen, it seems like they uh, 
they they tend to pop out the wrong direction for the kicker instead of going in. Yeah, right? The more joints yeah. you have, the less likely that thing is to pop in there. The force field, the force field at that point is just too much to too much to overcome. I think he should have gotten a point for each doink. It should have been four points. You know, <laughs> like an Australian rules football type situation or something. We'll never see anything like that again. No, I don't think so. Twenty twenty, right? right? <laughs> That's right. It's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to tune in once again for the Sunday Nighter as Travis and I break down Alabama's home game against Mississippi State and the outcome there. Had a lot of fun. Talk to you on Sunday night right here on Talking Tide.